It began as a holiday. Eager to escape a bright future on the Great Plains, Arthur Howitzer Jr. transformed the series of travelogue columns into the French Dispatch, a factual weekly report on the subjects of world politics, the arts, high and low, and diverse stories of human interest. Hello and welcome to the Weekly Real Podcast. My name is Ken. And my name is Jeremy. And uh, this week, Jeremy and I are covering our first Wes Anderson movie with the 2021 film, The French Dispatch. And you know what? We decided that we couldn't cover The French Dispatch properly without a Wes Anderson film connoisseur. So we decided to bring family back to the pod with... Aldrin, uh, you know what? Welcome, Ald- welcome back, Aldrin. I mean, it's been a while since you've been on the pod, right? Yeah, it's been some time. Thanks for having me on. Super excited about this. Uh, yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> well, we're glad. Uh, uh, the last episode, uh, Jeremy, uh, that he was on was what? Pulp Fiction? Yeah, Pulp Fiction was like, what, episode... I want to say it was nine. Okay, nine, eight, maybe. Yeah, I would probably want to say so. So it's been a while since like 2020, I think, right? Since we've had Aldrin here on the podcast. And I actually wanted to, I was curious since it's been literally almost 50 episodes ago. I wonder, uh, I was wondering, I'm curious, what was, what's been the worst movie that you've seen since like the pandemic started? This is actually an easy one for me. I've uh... <laughs> so since the holidays, I've kind of been on a diehard kick, uh, oh. starting with the very first one. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Great Christmas movie, awesome movie. Second, awesome. And then it was just I went, I watched all of them, and the most recent one was obviously the last one, the fifth one, and that was probably one of the worst <laughs> ones that uh, movies I've seen recently. Yeah, and that was just the other day too. Yeah, a good oh, wow. day to so die just, hard. That's what it's called. A good day yeah. to die hard. Yeah, yeah. Man. Have you guys so seen you just, that one recently? You, you finally just got there, huh? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, it's you know one one movie a week roughly. So yeah, since since the since Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Man, yeah. Good day to. I don't think I I watched like thirty minutes of that movie and then I stopped because I want I was on that die hard kick also about like late fall of last year and then I just stopped because that's where i got to (laughs) oh that's so funny you know i was gonna go all the way as well because i i I haven't seen the fifth one i've seen the first four and i thought live was it live free and die hard right Mm -hmm. it was the fourth one i thought that was pretty decent um it was all right it wasn't the best one but i got to die hard 2 um on christmas day because you know the christmas movie kick also Mm -hmm. um but i somehow didn't get to watch uh die hard with a vengeance uh, which is actually arguably, I think it's my second favorite one actually um, over the second one. Do you have a do you have kind of a hierarchy, uh, Aldrin? I think it's definitely one being the best, second in that order. I think the Samuel L. Jackson one's like right there too, and I think they created like a really good formula with that one, and I think they try to carry that with like four and five, having like a, a buddy cop kind of thing or someone to kind of tank along. Um, 
but I think they nailed it pretty much with that one, with the Samuel L. Jackson one. So, um, yeah, that would probably be my favorite one, I think. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, with uh, with Bruce Willis and and Samuel L., they got that Pulp Fiction, and have they been in any other movies besides those two? I, I'm trying to remember. I can't think. Of I mean, any. Bruce Willis is in like a movie every week, so <laughs> <laughs> he's bound to ta- ta- uh, tag along with Samuel L. Jackson at some point. Uh, same with Samuel. Same with yeah, Samuel. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was about to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Samuel, like, oh, man, for a while there, he was on, like, in every movie. Yeah. Oh, shoot. That is pretty fun. But, hey, uh, Aldred, again, thank you again for uh, coming back to the podcast. Uh, I know that t- today's episode is going to be, um, it's going to be good times, especially since we had a good time uh, talking about Pulp Fiction 50 or so episodes ago. And so uh, just to remind you, Aldrin, the way we kind of warm up with these uh, episodes, we have a podcast ritual where we like to kind of share a notable movie or TV show that we've watched in the last week. And so, uh, Jeremy, why don't you kick us off with uh, the podcast ritual? Well, I've actually started a new TV show that just premiered on HBO Max, and that's uh, James Gunn's Peacemaker, you know, starring... John Cena, our favorite wrestler of all time. No, I'm just kidding. No, he's not. Da, but, da, da, da. <laughs> but I'm gl- I'm so happy about this show. Just that it's actually good. I've watched I watched the first three episodes so far, uh, and if you want to know more, all my thoughts on Peacemaker on HBO Max. Uh, not sponsored. Check out, yeah, not sponsored. <laughs> go check out our episode uh, on it, or at least some of it on the newsreel episode yeah, thirty four. Yeah, last Thursday's episode. Yeah. I like it, though. Like it so far. Yeah, no, I uh, I was able to watch the first two. I'm still, I'm, yeah, I'm a little behind on it. And I know that this coming Thursday, there are, how many, how many episodes are they going to release for uh, for this Thursday? I'm pretty sure just one. That's my guess. Just one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I think with um, uh, another HBO Max show that I shared, uh, Station Eleven, a couple of weeks ago, they did... Uh, a weird one where it was like the first three similar to Peacemaker. And then they did two, uh, two episodes, two episodes, two episodes, and then the finale. So it was like a five week uh, arc, I guess with the releases. So interesting, actually, I, I don't, I actually don't mind it. If the, if that's what they do with Peacemaker. Yeah. I don't think the show would work if it didn't have the James Gunn style. Yeah. But yeah, definitely check out our episode on the newsreel of, of what our thoughts are on Peacemaker. Uh, Aldrin, what did you watch? I watched uh, a new series on Netflix called Eight, uh, Archive 81. Have you guys seen that one? Mm, it sounds familiar. I, I don't think I've seen it, though. It just came out within the past couple days. Um, I thought it was pretty interesting. It looks like a pretty good suspense kind of thriller series. Um, it starts off with like this... Um, it follows this archivist who starts... Uh, um, starts off in the film. He's in New York City, I believe, um, where he's hired to restore these films that were uh, involved in a fire. And um, um, he's this expert who kind of like restores everything, kind of goes through it. He was recently hired for a good amount of money. Uh, kind of sent off into this like isolated area. Uh, think very like um, Deus Ex Machina type movie kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just has that kind of overall feeling, I think, too. 
kind of suspenseful, uh, kind of a horror. And as far as I've seen so far, about three episodes in, four episodes in, um, it's about a cult and things like that. So it looks pretty interesting. So. Ooh, that sounds up my alley, actually. Oh, yeah, I know. Same. Because uh, I remember you did, I mean, we were just talking offline and you mentioned it. And I was like, ooh, yeah, I actually added it to my list. Uh, and I was like, all right, I got I to gotta start this um, in the next couple of weeks or so. But it just sounds really intriguing because it's a, a different kind of premise than uh, what we've kind of bit me and Jeremy, <laughs> what we've been kind of watching uh, recently. Yeah, we always like having different tastes and different stuff. It's like sometimes too much superhero stuff. And here I am sharing more superhero stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah. So from what you've heard about the show, um, is it going to be a multi-season type deal or is it a mini series? It looks like a season? regular series so far. I haven't heard too much about it. I haven't seen too much of it online. It literally just came out. Um, mm-hmm. Figured give it a shot see how it goes if i'm losing interest i could just stop watching it but for the most part it's kind of grabbed a hold of me pretty strong so uh i think i went through two episodes today so it's pretty good yeah okay sounds like a pretty good recommendation and then you said netflix right yeah correct on netflix all right right, cool so i'll definitely uh definitely check that out hopefully in the next week or so maybe sooner rather than later well for me um didn't stream anything uh, for for my podcast ritual. I actually went to the theaters. Um, I braved Omarion, uh, and I decided to, uh, well, kind of on a whim, I ended up watching Scream uh, 2022. Oh. And you know what? Nev Campbell, David Arquette, Courtney Cox, they're back. They're reprising the roles as Sydney, Dewey, and Gail. Uh, it was actually pretty cool to be able to just see some familiar faces. And it looks like they're trying to kind of do some sort of reboot combo with a sequel because I mean, they, you know, like everything that happened before is actually a part of that, that scream universe, I guess. Um, so it's a pretty good popcorn flick. I didn't have any expectations. I thought it was going to be horrible, but I was actually pretty entertained by it. And, uh, I don't know if it was because, you know, they got the whole, um, I guess endorsement of the you know three original actors, so that actually helped it out a little bit. But um, Jeremy, I know that you're gonna actually, Aldrin, you might you might actually recognize uh, Jack Quaid. He's in 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 the movie uh, from The Boys. The Boys, yeah, yeah. Dennis Quaid's and Meg Ryan's son. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and he he kind of plays a similar character. So I'm like, oh, okay. It it just got me hyped for The Boys, really. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which is supposed to be in June, so. Yes. yes. We'll mention that not, when we get there. Not sponsored by Amazon Prime, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, this week, I mean, we're, we're talking about a Wes Anderson movie where uh, Arthur Howitzer Jr., the editor of an American newspaper in a French city, kind of a weird premise, he dies suddenly. Uh, but one of his, uh, I guess, final wishes that happened to be in his will is for the newspaper to publish one final issue. So we get to check out each one of those stories in Wes Anderson's 2021 film, The French Dispatch. And so like every other episode that we do have, we we like to issue our spoiler warning. So here it is now. Uh, if you want to watch the movie, you can uh, watch it. It's actually available to rent on Amazon Prime. That's where I watched it. Uh, Jeremy, you watched it on YouTube, right? 
Yeah, I had to rent it on YouTube for five ninety nine. So yeah, uh, same five ninety nine for uh, Amazon Prime, but they also have it on I would imagine on Apple, Redbox, and whatever. Uh, or some, even though we don't condone it, I'm sure it's available somewhere on a streaming site. So uh, definitely check it out uh, wherever you uh, like to watch movies. And so let's get right into the double feature, uh, guys. Uh, for the dis, uh, the French Dispatch, and for those of you who are new to the podcast, the double feature is where Jeremy and I each bring a topic to discuss, uh, to discuss, but we actually don't have any idea what each other will ask. So I have my question. Jeremy has his question. I can't wait to hear what Jeremy has for us. Uh, but I'll kick it off uh, with my half of the double feature. So, fellas, the majority of the film is broken into three main stories. Uh, the JKL... Uh, J.K.L. Berenson's The Concrete Masterpiece, Lucinda Kermitz's Revisions to a Manifesto, and Roebuck Wright's The Private Dining Room of the Police Commissioner. So, fellas, this one's an easy one. And we'll start with Jeremy first. Mm, okay. Which of these three stories was your favorite and why? Look, I like I only got to rent it like for five ninety nine. So it's like, and you know how the window's kind of short to. to I, I didn't even remember the names of the stories. <laughs> Honestly, I'm I'm glad you wrote it down. Uh, I did. But for me, it was um, Benicio del del Toro's storyline, the painter. Just that that whole storyline. It's like really wacky, just the way it starts, but everything that he does in that. Uh, in that story, it's like, it's kind of unbelievable, you know? It's like, how is that even real? I think that was my favorite. And just the way the characters were from, like, Adrian Brody's character to um, even young Rosenthaler, it's like, it's like, what is happening in this movie? But at the same time, it's so, like, artistic, if that's a weird way to put it. Because he's a painter. <laughs> well, because it was in that art section of the French Dispatch. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> to just to kind of add to it with, because uh, this was the concrete masterpiece uh, uh, part of the story. This is where um, Rosenthaler just deadpans everything. Yeah. It, it, it was so good. I think one really wacky scene was... When he was in the, he put himself in the electric chair. <laughs> Do you remember that, Aldrin? Yeah. It's like, and then, um, what was the guard's name? Um, Simone. Simone, yeah. And yeah. she's there. She, she turns it on just for a second. <laughs> so, uh, then he like straps himself out of there, and it's like, it's like, what are you doing? Just like the way everyone just deadpans everything in that storyline, I think was the funniest way to play it off in that in that sequence yeah leah sadu is uh was the one who plays simone she's actually i guess well known for being uh the latest bond girl uh in no time to die and the previous one what was that specter <laughs> specter <laughs> so, yeah. yeah that's how memorable specter is uh so aldrin do you do you want to actually share what your favorite uh of the three main stories is mine was exactly the same one it was the first story. I think it was probably the most complete. Uh, it was funny. Uh, it was they had a love story. I think, um, <laughs> and then there was conflict. You know, there was a conflict at the end, and I really liked that part of it. Um, I, I liked the interaction same with uh, Simone and Moses. 
um, my favorite scene in that one was that they were uh, he was telling her how much he loved her or that he was going to tell her that he, and she immediately was like nope. no no don't even I, I was going to ask you why why did why did she why was she so opposed to it I mean I guess like he's going to be there but it's like it, they have this this odd chemistry but it's undeniable you know where like at least let the guy confess you know what I mean no no, no, no. <laughs> I think that was kind of the beauty of it. You know, they had this strong connection. I think she believed in him as an artist, kind of. Even when he was in that electric chair, he was like doubting himself. And he was like, I don't know what to do. I'm a struggling artist. She, she inspired him, I think. She told him a little bit about herself and her upbringing. And, you know, um, I think that's ultimately what it was. It was, it was about the art, I think. Yeah, and it helped that uh, Adrian Bo- uh, Brody's character um went in there and obviously he was already there for, um, you know, committing uh, a crime himself, but he had, you know, he was obviously an art connoisseur and everything, and he was willing to pay him a lot of money for it. Not just what the 50 cigarettes or the 75 <laughs> cigarettes. Yeah. yeah. Um, in, I mean, if you remember when they were in that cell together and kind of negotiating, they, uh, Simone member just peeked her head in there and she's all like kind of observing because I feel like, the opportunity for for um, Rosenthaler to actually get um, paid all those francs um, is like, you know, she would get a cut of her own because she's basically the muse and the inspiration and everything. And I think she was thinking about her well-being and the well-being of, what was it, like her daughter or something like that? Yeah, her daughter. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, for me, the my favorite, just to kind of... You know, uh, zag to your guys' zig was uh, my favorite one was the private dining room of the police uh, police commissioner. Mm. Um, I mean, uh, the first obvious reason was, dude, you get uh, Bernard uh, as like the main <laughs> guy. I, I just love uh, Jeffrey Wright. Um, his voice. I, I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong, but just the even just the setup between Jeffrey Wright and um, Leif Schreiber. Dude, the the voices were True. already amazing. Just the conversation, just hearing it, I was like, oh. And I was like listening on really good headphones when I was <laughs> watching it. And I was like, wow, I can I can have both of them kind of be the narrator of my life, and I'd be happy. <laughs> just because their voices are amazing. Yeah, just don't fall asleep to their voices, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, well, for me, like, because Roebuck writes. Uh, the private dining room of the police. It's such an out there story. Uh, first of all, there's food. It's, it was weirdly put in the food section, even though it was a uh, kidnapping of a, the police commissioner's son. Yep. And that it, it was just so outlandish the way they did the, the storytelling. And, you know, there's even like animated parts of, uh, of the, uh, the, the whole story. It, there's this crazy, chasing when that happens it and i mean ed norton's in there as the uh, the chauffeur <laughs> the chauffeur yeah um and a uh, dude uh, what was that guy's name the chef uh um, nescafe yeah nescafe 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 was like amazing just uh and i'll get to that a little bit later on in the in the episode but uh, just it, it, he was both like a lieutenant and he was the chef and I don't know. It, and the kid was, it was cute too. So I, it, there was just so much going on. 
I actually have to kind of rewind to the beginning of the thing because I wanted to make sure that I caught everything. I did the whole, uh, let's go ahead and see that again um, because I thought it was just my favorite. It was the most entertaining one by far for me. You're totally right about Jeffrey Wright though because he was, he's so eloquent in his voice and I think it's just the way that he has a rhythm to it. It's just so like mesmerizing, I think too. And the way that he was talking about the food, you just really like enjoy hearing what he has to say. And it was just... I think that was an awesome story too, for sure. Um, the whole like kidnapping and all that. So <laughs> it's so random. It yeah. does get wacky though. Yeah. Do you remember that sure. one part in the chase scene where um, I guess the chauffeur is driving? He has Gigi in the car or whatever, and then he that weird wrestler is like hanging onto the car the whole time. <laughs> yeah. And then he breaks suddenly, and then he goes right through the building. They're running around or whatever, and then they get back in the car, and then all of a sudden the wrestler just just jump right back in. Yeah. <laughs> I was dying when that happened. I, I had to take a double take there for a second. I'm like, did he just jump back on? It's like, I thought he went through the window or whatever, and not already. And it's like, yeah, I guess he wants some more. Yeah. Oh my god, that was it. Was so good the way they did that, and uh, I don't know. And, and the food just like the way they. Um, described it the way they plated it and the way they incorporated that into the story and for it to be a part of the food section it's just again it was just outlandish enough great storytelling and it's it's my favorite uh so for my part of the double feature i actually want to ask you like we kind of alluded to it already we mentioned the chasing it got kind of animated there for a second uh i wanted to ask you guys like how did you guys like the style of the film kind of like the mix of mediums between almost like a newspaper and animation i think especially when it became animated it looked like as if it was a newspaper comic but animated Mm -hmm. uh and just kind of the way they kind of frame things it was very much like as if it was newspaper art pretty much so how do you how do you guys basically uh like that and um kind of see how it fit with the various stories that were told oh i thought it uh it fit perfectly um i mean first of all it's wes anderson that's like his style uh, of the way he kind of films everything it's uh kind of it's storytelling things just pop up out of nowhere there's a lot of panning and stuff but in terms of like the french dispatch the the magazine itself uh, i'll start with uh your guys's favorite the uh, the concrete uh, what was it called again? <laughs> I don't even remember. I need to write it down. The the concrete masterpiece. If you think about it, like there was, it was either really like saturated with the the colors and everything, and very colorful, or black mm-hmm. and white. Especially yeah. when you know the whole uh, nude painting and everything, uh, and the abstract art. So it kind of went back and forth in that regard. When you go to the um, the revision revisions to a manifesto story, the one with uh, Oh my goodness, uh, Timothée Chalamet and uh, wait, what was her name again? Uh, Frances M- uh, McDormand. Um, you get more of the the news thing, so you're gonna get more of like uh, like neutrals, the black and white, because it's more of a news story, uh, pol- uh, mm-hmm. politics and stuff. And then you know, obviously, <laughs> we discussed the oh, I discussed the 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 food section. You get more of the, again, punchier colors and everything, and then you get the storytelling. But again, like you said, it had the comics. So, so I thought it re- went really well with the whole theme of the the magazine. 
Uh, how about you, Aldrin? How did you kind of feel about the the styles, various styles incorporated <laughs> into the various stories? I think it, uh, it's very much Wes Anderson. I think um, if if I am correct, it is a French film, or of uh, so I believe the aspect ratio is correct on those. Uh, it has mm. a more of a narrower aspect ratio. Um, I know that he changes depending on in, in his movies to tell a story. Usually, it's like a narrow. Uh, ratio and then he does expand when it is kind of a vast story and it all depends on um what era it is so you'll see that like 80s for example is the era you'll see it has more of that s- squares shot and mm. then it squeezes a little bit in when it's the french movies and then um and majority of it was in black and white um and then i think like ken mentioned uh the color was there to emphasize the art really um uh, on the second story uh, about the activists um, and the protesters, it was, I believe, the opposite where it was, yes, telling a story about these protesters, but m- majority of the scenes were in, in color. And then when it referred to telling a part of a different story, it went to black and white. Um, I, th- I think it's very much on tone uh, for him, uh, showing style, showing choices for sure. Um, I like that. I appreciate that part of it, I think. See, this is... I. I have to say this is my first Wes Anderson movie. So just seeing the weird choices which pay off ultimately and I was just wondering yeah like why are things black and white? Why are things in color? Why is the aspect ratio different in some areas than others? So it's good I actually appreciate. It. I was like, "Oh, so that's why they get more background on that." For so sure. I appreciate that. Um one thing that I one little sequence I I I won't be able to get to later but it's like Owen Wilson's little part where it's it's just like this long uh almost like 2D panning like and I I love that little sequence too just because it the way that it was shot and just him keeps crashing into things on his bike too just the way that that was kind of filmed as well I think I appreciated that that comedic way of telling that little story yeah, that section specifically was totally Wes Anderson uh, with uh, the breaking the fourth wall. He's actually talking to us and everything. It's uh, you get that a lot with uh, earlier Wes Anderson movies, right? Right, Aldrin? Yeah, talking right to the uh, to the audience, uh, <laughs> telling the story. Really, it's Wes Anderson telling a story through the character. I think. Yeah. Ah. It, and actually, there was something that I read uh, just to kind of add to what uh, Aldrin was talking about with uh, especially the French influences, the French films. Um, he actually drew a lot of uh, inspiration uh, f- on a lot of the shots. I think I, I, I didn't get to read the, the, the article in depth. I'll actually forward you guys the link. But then there's actual direct inspirations from earlier French films, from like older French films where he actually did... Uh, again, like what Aldrin was talking about with the aspect ratio, the black and white, uh, you know, uh, actually similar framings to specific shots that he drew inspiration from from other earlier French films. So I definitely wanted to add uh, a little bit of that to what Aldrin was talking about. So, uh, well, we got to the part in, in in our podcast episode where we like to involve you guys, the audience. And uh, obviously, we're again, we're talking about our first Wes Anderson movie. And so uh, this one's a kind of a, a no brainer. So, audience, what is your favorite Wes Anderson movie? And actually, 
Aldrin, I mean, you are our connoisseur when it comes to Wes Anderson movies. I, I would imagine you watched most, if not all. Um, do you have a favorite? I do, actually. Um, Royal Tenenbaums is probably one of my favorites. Uh, it's funny because the first time I watched it, I hated the movie. <laughs> Dude, uh, same. I didn't get com- it either. <laughs> completely hated it. Uh, didn't appreciate it at all. Um, but somehow really enjoyed Bill Murray later on. Also an actor I didn't really appreciate before, but now he's probably one of my favorite actors. Um, and I, it's a movie that I com- I enjoy watching over and over again. It's about family, um, has everything that you really enjoy with a Wes Anderson type movies, his style, storytelling, um, things like that. I think he has probably the most developed characters in that movie too. Um, but I could imagine it being a, a difficult watch for someone who's not really interested in that type of style and seeing that type of storytelling. Um, but yeah, definitely one of my easiest favorite movies for sure. Nice, nice. Uh, I, this is your first one, right, Jeremy? It, it is my first one, and I one thing I did appreciate. I, obviously, I'll probably judge more later on down the line. Uh, but one thing I did appreciate is like the ensemble cast, especially of this movie. And I'm glad that you mentioned Bill Murray and. I didn't want to go into this movie knowing who is going to appear in the movies. I'm like, oh, Christoph Waltz. Oh, uh, Willem Dafoe and all that stuff. I appreciated <laughs> all that stuff. And I just remember uh, when they first showed uh, Bill Murray, you know, he's he's dead. I'm like, oh, that kind of looks like Bill Murray. <laughs> just like when they showed like his lower half. And then he obviously they show him later on alive. And I was like, oh, Bill Murray's in this. I didn't know. So it's like I appreciated um, basically the caliber of actors that they brought to this movie as well. Yeah. Dude, the Willem Dafoe one scared me a little bit when he appeared in the chicken coop. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, it's Willem Dafoe. Oh, that was so good. Well, for me, my favorite, uh, real quick, uh, I, I love Royal Tenement Bombs, but I gotta, I'll got i mention another one. The Grand Budapest Hotel, which is actually the movie that we were thinking about having for this season. Uh, because obviously Jeremy still hadn't seen it, we were gonna try to get um, we were gonna try to get Aldrin um, on the podcast to discuss Grand Budapest Bo- uh, Hotel, but we were blessed to actually have a brand new Wes Anderson movie, so we decided to go with the the more current film uh, because n- none of us had watched it before this week, so we're uh, we kind of got lucky. So uh, you've heard from us. Definitely chime in on what your favorite Wes Anderson movie is. Uh, Jeremy, uh, where can they get back to us on our social medias? Yeah, if they want to contact us, uh, they can reach us at, at Weekly Real. Yes, and that's on Twitter and Instagram. Um, we also have an email address. So if, if you guys want to kind of give a, 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 an essay if you want, it could be a paragraph mm-hmm. or just maybe a few sentences longer than what they do allow on on Twitter, because it's only, what, 200 and something characters. Uh, Jeremy, what is our email address? So it's funny, because we're talking about the French Dispatch. We also have our own news show, so you can email at thenewsreelpod at gmail.com. Mm. Right? That's ours? Mm. No, not quite. It's almost there, because, uh, you know what, we may have to just do another email address, because, I mean, Jeremy still hasn't learned. Well, maybe that's not smart, because he doesn't. He hasn't figured out the one <laughs> that we do actually have. Never mind. Our email address is weeklyrealpod at gmail.com. And so, fellas, let's take a quick break.
All right, welcome back from the break, and let's jump into our weekly real awards. Uh, the first award we're going to give out is the I Am Groot Award for favorite character, because there's a lot of characters in the French Dispatch, obviously various stories going on. Uh, so Aldrin, did you have a favorite character of the French Dispatch? I did. Um, for me, Moses stood out the most, I think. He was one that I really enjoyed. I probably could relate to to some degree, except for the whole murdering <laughs> aspect of it. But yeah, uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed his character. I, again, as mentioned before, you know the love scene with Simone, um, just their interactions, his interactions with um, what was his name, uh, Adrian Brody's character, the uh, the art dealer. Um, I love that part. I like that he was like a struggling character or a struggling artist who you know, was inspired by his muse and, and ultimately uh, was successful in what he did, even though he was imprisoned and, you know, all that. Um, it's probably my favorite character. I enjoyed him the most. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, and for those of you, who, obviously, who, who don't really know Aldrin that well, I mean, he's only been on, what, this is the second episode. He actually um, has an art background. And so I could definitely see you gravitating towards that art section of, uh, uh, of the French Dispatch. Yeah, for sure. All right, well, for me, uh, my I Am Groot Award winner for favorite character, I, I talked about him a little bit in the, in the first half of this episode. It's, it's Roebuck Wright, uh, played by Jeffrey Wright. Uh, I just love the fact that, um, well, first of all, I've watched, <laughs> so I feel like we've watched a lot of Jeffrey Wright recently. Uh, I've always been a fan of his uh, because usually it's like in a supporting role. And obviously, this is an ensemble cast. It, it was really nice to be able to have him as a kind of a, one of the main characters, I guess, if there had to be one. And for me, uh, Aldrin was talking about like his delivery and his voice and everything. Just the he was very eloquent in the way he kind of delivered. Uh, I guess the you know his part of the article of the dis, uh, French Dispatch, the food portion. And for me, as a I guess a me picking up writing again recently and just starting a, a blog at the very end of 2021 and, and wanting to just kind of get more practice. For me. This whole movie was very inspirational because you get to see the different writing styles that can happen. And for me, Roebuck writes writing style, well, at least his character anyway, the way he describes stuff was basically very inspirational to me. And, and it's something that I really identified with. See, I, I, I would have to agree with you because my winner is also Roebuck Wright. Yeah. Uh, just... In a way, like it's very close with uh, Mos with Moses, pretty yeah, much Rosenthaler. Like Rosenthaler, pretty much they're like neck and neck right there. Just like you said, both of them are very like enthralling to watch. It's like you can't like it, well, one of them. It's like their vo his voice is just mesmerizing, like you said. Uh, <laughs> and then Rosenthaler is just so like out there, where it's you don't know what he's gonna do. Just like you know, later on he he paints into the walls. It's like it's like oh whoa, he actually completed uh, whatever project he was gonna do, and then they realize that it's painted into the walls, and it's like how are we gonna sell this? Pretty much, and it's like it's such a something that he would do because it's you don't know what he's so unpredictable. I think that's why I also liked about uh, Rosenthal's character. But yeah, I agree with both of you pretty much. He, he was a he was a brutish artist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, he was, he was literally, yeah, he was literally <laughs> growling uh, when he was upset. <laughs> <laughs> literally growling. Oh, man, it's so good. Uh, the next award I wanted to give out is the Wise Gamora Award for favorite quote. Uh, there was quite a bit in here, actually. Uh, Aldrin, do you want to mention one? Yeah, I'll mention one. Uh, so there was a scene in the, in the third story uh, where the, uh, what is that? The commissaire was speaking to the gang of kidnappers. Um, I really enjoyed that that little bit there that he was telling them. Uh, I'm just going to read a little bit to you. Uh, so he goes, I'm speaking to the leader of the gang of the kidnappers on the top floor. Do you have a working kitchen in that lair? My son needs a snack. Allow us to send our precinct cook along with some supplies and provisions. He'll prepare a supper of sufficient proportions to feed you and all of your accomplices. We already ate. <laughs> I was dying. It's like, <laughs> first. Yeah, it was over the, well, it was a bull, bullhorn. Or, yeah, it was uh, over the, the, the loudspeakers. Yeah, the a bullhorn for sure. Yeah. yeah, it was a bullhorn. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's a good one. I just like that little bit of uh, we already ate. But we already ate. Yeah. <laughs> that, that should have been our first clue that I was like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> oh, that was so good. Well, along the same lines as Aldrin, actually, a little bit later on uh, in that story, the third story, my winner for the Wise Gomorrah Award for favorite quote belongs to Lieutenant Nescafier. Mm. Just, well, first of all, his name is just uh, amazing. I just feel like drinking a Nescafier. <laughs> <laughs> but again, just to kind of recap, um, he's basically—they're basically trying to get the uh, the commissioner's son back, and so they think of the—I uh, guess—an idea of basically sending a Trojan horse in the form of food. And so, what Lieutenant Nescafier does—he ends up uh, creating uh, several dishes with radishes laced with poison, knowing that uh, the commissioner's son hates radishes and then you know obviously the chauffeur doesn't like radishes too and so everyone dies except for those two and then it goes off on that chase scene but the my favorite quote happens after the chase scene mm-hmm. it's when lieutenant nescafier is on the gurney and he's like kind of like dying basically and he's like like just talking really like you know he's hurt and weak or whatever he goes they had a flavor and then, and then, uh, Robuck writes like, "Wait, excuse me, what?" And he's like, "The toxic salts in the radishes—they had a flavor, totally unfamiliar to me, like a bitter, moldy, peppery, spicy, oily kind of earth. I never tasted that taste in my life. Not entirely pleasant, extremely poisonous, but still a new flavor." That's a rare thing in my age. <laughs> it was so rare. Yeah, no, you're so right. That was such a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> it, it's, it's so out there. But again, it's in the food section. And I feel like that's where it ties everything together. I think that's the reason why it's in the food section. It's that whole type of like descriptive. Um, I guess it's it, he was just amazed that it was like in his head. You know, he's... A little bit older 
it's like you know you've you've you think about it you're you've tasted most everything already and for him to discover this quote-unquote new taste but it was poison <laughs> he was just like wow it's so good and i like how bill murray was like how come you didn't mention that before or so i was like how come you didn't like why are you gonna leave that out or something like that I was like, yeah he left it off of uh roebuck right left it off of his original uh draft <laughs> yeah yeah it's like that's why it's in the food section you know mine is actually just basically the next few sentences later because i was gonna mention that actually because that basically that whole scene is hella funny but basically uh robot right is like i admire your bravery bravery lieutenant then at nescafe is like i'm not brave i just wasn't in the mood to be a disappointment to everybody <laughs> i'm a foreigner you know <laughs> it's like it's like, <laughs> it's, it's like at the same time, it's like he's still trying to prove himself. He's a lieutenant. He's part of the police force, and he's the he's the chef. But it's like he's so much thing is going is going on in his mind from the food to like his duties as a police officer. So it's like I don't know. It's like they all that was riding on him that whole mission. He had a reputation. Everybody even knew about him uh, when they were asking who's going to be the cook. They asked, is it going to be an SKPA or is it going to be an understudy? So they already knew. Yeah. And he has a, a reputation to uphold for sure. Yeah. You know, I, I almost gave my favorite uh, character to Nescafier. <laughs> I almost did it. I, I just couldn't. I just, Roebuck Ride was too good. But that was my second favorite. Yeah. If we were going to have underrated character, easy win right there. Easy win. Uh, the next award I want to give is the Get Help Award for Favorite Comedic Scene. And... There's plenty to choose from <laughs> in this movie, uh, but can't uh, not can. Aldrin, I'll let you go first. You're the guest. Uh, you got dibs. What's your favorite out of all the bunch? I actually didn't think this is really a funny movie for some reason. I really took this movie really seriously, and I think the <laughs> only part that made me really just kind of smile a little bit more. It was such a simple scene where um, the chauffeur is coming in from the top window, and then he's coming down on a rope. And then if you really pay attention, the scene was in black and white, but he was wearing like these white ballerina slippers. And I think just that funny detail, and this is a movie obviously full of details like that, but just in that moment, I felt like I, it kind of made me smile a little bit more as he sneaked along the, on, the, on there very quietly. <laughs> so the small <laughs> details is what, uh, what makes you smile, huh? Yeah, I think so. And the fact that it was Ed Norton. <laughs> yeah, Ed Norton. <clears throat> It's so good. <laughs> uh, well, for me, um, I kind of I feel like I mentioned the animated chasing, but I, I kind of wanted. I feel like we've been ignoring the middle uh, of the, the thing. The uh, what was the name of the? It was the revision uh, revisions to a, the manifesto. I, I'll mm. actually give uh, some love to that one, even though it's not really terribly funny but again it's the details in the dialogue i i it kind of made me smile as well it's the scene where i mean remember they were talking about how kremitz is like an old maid or whatever and it's something that can make someone like kind of like sad or whatever and they're eating dinner and then all of a sudden tear gas comes in and they're really like you know like obviously crying and stuff because it, it hurts it hurts the eyes so it's the scene where she's in the bathroom and then she has a little bit of uh, drippy mascara. Mm -hmm. And then um, Zeffirelli is basically, uh, well, Kremitz is already crying, but Zeffirelli is like, uh, it's like, are you sad or whatever? And it's like, well, it's because of the tear gas, 
but also because I am kind of sad. Uh, and then, you know, Zeffirelli's taking a bath and he's writing his manifesto. And, you know, he was like, oh, uh, well, can you proofread it? And then all of a sudden, you know, he's like trying to cover his junk or whatever. And he hands it to him. And then Kremitz just immediately was like, it's a little damp. And I was like, literally or metaphorically. <laughs> and then just like, uh, actually a little bit of both. And and then you could tell Zeffirelli just wanted the affirmation and everything. But Kremitz was just like, just like true to her like craft. She was like, okay, well, if I'm going to proofread it. Let's start with the typos and everything. I was like, man, it's just the 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 exchange between the two of them. It, it it was really good, and obviously they ended up sleeping together, which was kind of a weird that 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 happened. But whatever, teach their own. <laughs> but they had a great interaction too, and he I think he really appreciated how uh, blunt she was. I think he even mentioned it. he says, "I love how uh, rough or something like that or gruff yeah. you are about." And I think there was just an honesty between the two of them. Yeah, because that was their first interaction, and mm-hmm. it just so happens he was like naked, and then uh, yeah, again they built that rapport. I think that's why he ended up, uh, I guess, confiding in her because obviously she's a a, a writer, um, and he, I think he wanted to make his manifesto that good because eh, it was really important to him and his cause. I just found it weird. He kept saying, uh, "I'm getting used to my new muscles." Yeah. That's- <laughs> That was yes. I was I was thinking about that one as a quote too, but I was like, "I'm getting used to my." He said it like a good couple times in the movie, and I think it was funny every single time that he said it for sure. Oh, so good. Uh, my winner would actually be uh, when you know Rosenthaler paints the walls and all that stuff, but Adrian Brody's character obviously now he can't sell it and he's furious, and Rosenthaler is in a wheelchair, and basically they start this whole like fight pretty much just because. It's like, at first, it's like, you're a genius. You're a genius. And it's like, oh, you're a hack. You're a hoax and all that stuff. And just going off on each other. And they there's this really wacky shot of basically doing the mannequin challenge <laughs> as it, as the camera's panning by, showing the, everything. And then, um, isn't it Simone who ends the fight? Yeah, pretty she, much? she trips them both up. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, just wham, like, all the way across the whole, like, frame of the screen ends that fight I, th- I thought that was hilarious just because at, at the very end it's like they had that huge fight. everyone was just fighting but at the very end it's like everyone like finally settled down it's like you're you're a genius <laughs> yeah he, he just wanted his acceptance after all that it's like they he wanted he wanted the money though that's that's for sure <laughs> yeah it was pretty pu- pretty funny too because obviously they couldn't do anything because that was at a federal prison so it's mm-hmm. not like they can just take these slabs and just because it was obviously part of like this huge like um, support beam, but they somehow got it done. They, they were able to open that museum in uh, what was it, Kansas or something? Yeah, yeah, that's where it was in the middle of a cornfield. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's jump into our favorite. Well, some people might not like it. Who knows? I don't. I haven't read our email because I keep I can't log in for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why, uh, but. Let's jump into the guess the Ron Tomatoes score. Ken, you are up 11, and I'm at 10, so you're only up by one. But this <sighs> is a huge week for me. Uh, Aldrin, you'll also be guessing. And we have a reputation here on the on the Weekly Real podcast that we lose to the guests every time <laughs> we have a guest. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. There's some big shoes that you have to, you have to fill, Aldrin. Be careful. <laughs> 
Uh, so, but I'll let you take first crack at it, first guess at the Rotten Tomatoes score for the French Dispatch. All right. So for me, this is probably one of the better Wes Anderson movies that I've seen. It seems to be like the most complete. You can see his style, storytelling is pretty much there. Um, I mean, on a scale of one to one hundred, Rotten Tomatoes, correct? I'd probably give it an eighty. I like a nice round number like that. Eighty sounds about right. Ooh, okay, all right. Uh, can <laughs> I'm I'm scared. Can would uh, would you guess that they gave it on Ron Tomatoes? I'm kind of I'm smiling. Uh, obviously this is audio, uh, so you guys can't see it. But I was like, ooh, I'm kind of close to Aldrin because you know, like our guests again, like what Jeremy said, they they tend to kick our ass in this co- competition. And so I guess 84. Oh, Ken. Oh, man. Here we go. <laughs> I guessed 85%. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so Aldrin's got 80. Ken, you got 84. I got 85. And I want to remind the audience that we come up with our, our guesses like beforehand. So we don't know. There's no cheating, hopefully. Uh, and I'm going to look it up right now. The yeah, French and, Dispatch and, on Rotten Tomatoes. And, and while Jeremy's looking that up, actually, uh, I just want to remind the audience, it's 11 to 10. We only have two episodes left, including this one. So if I get the point, I am the season three champ for the very first time because Jeremy kicked my ass in season one and two. But if Jeremy wins, winner take all on the finale. Holy crap. All right. So here we go. I got the score right here. And I'm going to say, we have a new champion (laughs) for season three of the Weekly Real Podcast. And in running tradition, Aldrin, you have beat us once again. I knew it. I knew it. (laughs) What was the the score? score? The score is 75%. Okay. Dude, I, I knew I knew Aldrin was gonna kick her ass. <laughs> so Aldrin, you still hold the crown in for the guests against us. So man, the guests always beat us. But Ken, you are the new champion between wow. the two of us. Uh, but we're still, you know, we're still losers. <laughs> yeah, we're still losers to the guests. <laughs> so, Just when I couldn't think we can be any dumber, you go in and do this. And totally redeem yourself. Sorry. And that's what you did, Ken. You redeemed yourself. And now the score is 12 to 10. That is, like Ken said, we only have one more episode. So all I can do is uh, basically lessen that distance just for for pride's sake next week. Part of me, a small part of me, small part of me wanted it to go to a winner take all, like kind of game seven. That would have been pretty sweet because... I don't know. That obviously never happened. But this was our def- definitely our uh, closest competition to date. Yeah. Who knows what the next season might hold. But let's do our final award, which is the I Love You 3000 award, where we do our own personal rating of the movie, and we're going to rate from 1 to 3,000. And Aldrin, the connoisseur, apparently, of Wes Anderson movies, how would you rate The French Dispatch? I'm gonna give this one a, a 2,700. <laughs> Shoot right, right at right at 80% on that one. I think it's about right. 90%. 90%. Sorry. Nine. Nine. I think I did <laughs> that last. Ch- I think I did that last time. You. I think I did that last time. 
2,700. 90%. There you go. There you go. (laughs) Math. Math. We love it. See, that's the only one that I really know. Same. (laughs) Just because of the podcast. Uh, How about you, Ken? (laughs) Exactly. Because of the podcast. Well, uh, for me, this is actually a really good rating. Um, For me, I will give it a 2514. I like my uh, decimal points. I give it an 83.8%. Again, this is on my revised uh, little rating system. This is a really good score for me. I I feel like there's even uh, room for it to actually move up in the rating because, again, I feel like I'm really inspired by the narration, the writing, the writing's so good. And and I feel like just what we've been talking about, especially with what Aldrin has mentioned, there are so many little details within this movie that I know that I'll probably catch on like the third, fourth, maybe even fifth rewatch. And I'd be like, holy crap, I didn't notice that. Uh, I didn't notice the ballerina shoes and uh, that uh, Ed Nort was wearing. And I definitely want to, you know, the next time I watch it, I'm going to try to pay attention to that. So um, I really liked it a lot. So 25-14 for me. Ooh, all right. Yeah, this was my first Wes Anderson movie. So it took me a bit. Uh, it took a while to kind of get used to it. You know what I mean? Kind of knowing what to expect. Uh, kind of the tone of the movie. Uh, and if I guessed my rating, which is 2230 out of 3000. So that's about... 75% I would have won <laughs> the Ron Tomato score. Uh, I feel like I would actually like this more what, now that I know the kind of like what to expect, kind of rewatch for the details. But I feel like this was a good first little snippet into the Wes Anderson world for me. And, and what Aldra was talking about, it was uh, one of the more complete ones, right? I think so. Yeah. I think you get uh, the storytelling, like Ken mentioned, is very solid. Uh, his style shows through. Uh, the panning, the direction, all that is there in this movie, I think. Uh, the pop of color, uh, lack of color, uh, ratios, all those things. Uh, I think it's a very much a Wes Anderson type movie. And uh, I think it's a great introduction to you getting into watching more of them for sure. Yeah, I'm glad. Like, If we did watch Grand Budapest, would that, would, would that have been too much to handle compared to The French Dispatch, you think? No, no, not at all. I think um, in this case, Grand Budapest kind of followed two main characters. Uh, obviously, the ensemble is there as well, but it was it was with two movie, uh, two two main characters, and then they kind of go off on their little adventure. And I think, um, and I think either either could have been fine, and you would have enjoyed both. I think equally. Mm, okay, I'll definitely try to start from the beginning. What is the what's his first movie? His first movie was uh, Bottle Rocket, from what I believe, and okay. that was with uh, Owen Wilson and his brother, uh, Luke. Luke, Luke Wilson. Wilson. I was going to say Brian Wilson, <laughs> but that doesn't sound right. <laughs> Wait, uh, the guy from the uh, the Beach Boys, the or Beach Boys, the... correct? <laughs> <laughs> or, or the Giants pitcher, before, the beard before? <laughs> oh shoot! Definitely stuff from the beginning, though. Uh, yeah, definitely rocket. get on that. Yeah, yeah, I really appreciate this movie. Hopefully, more once I get back to rewatching it, see the other movies, maybe I'll, you know, give it a higher score in the future. And this is my revised new little score, right, Ken? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> kind of. Yeah, he 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 changed it in twenty twenty two. So um, yeah, but yeah, uh, uh, just a uh, I don't know if I mentioned it, uh, you know, 
old man. I can't remember what I'm what I say sometimes. Uh, a lot of the Wes Anderson movies are on Amazon Prime right now. So again, we're still not sponsored. Yeah, definitely not sponsored. But Ken, uh, what are we actually talking about for episode 58, which is next week? Yeah, so next week, actually, episode 58 it happens to be our season three finale. And in that season three finale, a popular high school student isn't allowed to date by her strict father until her antisocial older sister does in the 1999 cult classic, 10 Things I Hate About You. And so 10 Things I Hate About You is currently streaming on Disney+. Plus. Uh, I guess heading into the finale... Correct me if I'm wrong, Jeremy. I haven't seen it. You haven't seen it yet either, right? I haven't seen it yet either. I've always heard people mentioning this movie, but I'm like, ah, I don't get it. I don't get the references because I haven't seen it. Yeah, I I somehow missed it for so many uh, so many years. Obviously, 1999. I was in college already. It should have been right up my alley, but I somehow just did not watch it. But it is currently streaming again on Disney Plus, and so definitely check it out. Um, we will actually have a guest for our season finale. It'll be our, one of our first, uh, it'll be a first for us actually having a guest for the season three finale. So definitely stay tuned to figure out who that guest is. Mm -hmm. Uh, spoiler alert. It's not Aldrin, but <laughs> uh, Aldrin, have you seen, uh, 10 things I hate about you? <laughs> I have, I've seen it before. I would say it's probably Heath Ledger's best movie. Well, just we'll, we'll find out. I boom, hot take, right? For sure. Yes. <laughs> uh, Aldrin, thank you so much for being here on uh, the Weekly Real Podcast once again. Uh, if they want to reach you anywhere, like I know last time was this a couple of years ago now. <laughs> oh uh, yeah, yeah. On the on the Pulp Fiction episode, you mm -hmm. mentioned, you know kind of like to stay off social media i feel that ken knows that like it's a weird place uh is there anywhere they can reach you or uh maybe they can email us and then we'll relay the message for you yeah definitely yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's it right <laughs> that that's it yeah yes thumbs up yeah, yeah. you <laughs> can see me live in person everywhere that i am for sure uh and if you do say hi, say hi. yeah <laughs> yeah you know what he looks like from the audio. <laughs> yeah, you you know, you could tell that he's, uh, you know, like kind of looks similar to me and Jeremy because we just happen to be related. Yeah. <laughs> or just uh, just spam Ken's Instagram. Say, hey, tell Aldrin I said hi. <laughs> yeah, we want Aldrin. We want more of him. But yes, yeah, so we would definitely want to extend the uh, again. I think we did this on the Pulp Fiction episode. You know, obviously we're wrapping up season three next week, but uh, for season four, we'd definitely like to have you back uh, and we'll definitely let you know what we end up covering. So we'll definitely uh, reach out to you. That'd be great. Thanks for uh, having me on. This is fun. Uh, Ken, anything you want to share for your social medias or anything going on for you? Yeah, well, uh, I'm, again, uh, just follow me on Instagram, Twitter, the huge at FreeKenA, uh, the the spelling will be in the episode notes. Also, uh, check out my blog, kenarceo.com. Uh, I'm trying to kind of vary up, play around with uh, my writing styles. I feel like the French Dispatch is giving me a, a more added motivation and inspiration on kind of experimenting on different writing styles and everything, and obviously trying to uh, find my voice and everything. So uh, definitely check 
me out there. Nice. Uh, for me, if you want to follow me, I'm at JP underscore flicks on Twitter and Instagram. I'm still, I'm ed- now editing my short film. So once that's uh, finished, I'll start promoting that and I'll share it on my social media. So once I will too on, yeah. on Aldrin social media. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone so, will get it. Yeah. It's a so joint, it's a joint account. <laughs> oh shoot uh any guys before i close out and we say our final goodbyes any final thoughts about the french dispatch you want to kind of mention uh well for me uh, f- uh the i like the kind of the end obviously they did the obituary and everything and i, I just thought it was uh fitting to have uh our man Ropuck Wright uh just doing the typewriting and everything and just to be able to um kind of they you know they were going to collaborate on the whole thing but the way they were already starting like the obituary just seemed like it was pretty cool and i love the fact that they use typewriters a lot uh like when um what was it uh Kremen was in bed with uh Zeffirelli and she just basically had a typewriter uh <laughs> with paper just and then she's just typing it's like oh my goodness this is their version of the laptop so i didn't know that they used to do that Sure. I mean, I, I think didn't you learn how to type on a typewriter? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but not not on my lap though. True. True. Those not things on my are lap. Heavy. It was in a classroom at uh, South City High. Maybe you got you gotta get one. That's a mark of a true writer, right there. <laughs> hey, you know what? You've you don't know pain uh, without typewriting. And I remember they had the the correcto tape thing. I forgot what they call it. I think that's what they call it, right? I just. Just to be perfectly honest with you both, I have a typewriter and I enjoy using it very much. Yeah. <laughs> it's tactile, right? It's analog. It's tactile. Um, yeah, yeah. See, I, I, I wasn't. That wasn't a joke, Ken. I was literally saying, like, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> I, I know when people are making fun of me. Seventy-five percent. But yeah, I found that obituary uh, scene like kind of odd too, just the way they ended because freaking Bill Murray corpse is like right there while they're talking about him because the morgue was full. Yeah, that was weird. That was kind of yeah. It was on strike or something, or I forget. Uh, but guys, if that's it for, I just want to thank you, Aldrin, once again for joining us on the podcast. Like Ken said, if you want to hop back on next season, we would love to have you. If you don't, it's fine too. <laughs> there's, there's always season five. <laughs> there's always season five, you know, season six. I'd love to. Um, I'd love to be back on. Um, whether we talk about another Wes Anderson movie or any other movie, uh, I like the fact that we are able to talk about different movies and we all have absolutely different styles. Um, I like that part of it, you know? You know, I would love to hear you rant about a movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just like, a really bad just, one. Just a really bad movie. But oh yeah, uh, we'll see. We'll we'll figure it out. <laughs> Either a really really good movie, just like this one, or um, a good day to die hard. <laughs> that that level. You know what I mean? Yeah, I want I, that. we got a little bit of a sneak preview earlier <laughs> with with that movie. Yeah, I could definitely get in a rant for sure. Uh, we could do that next time for sure. <laughs> I think it would just be funny. But uh, guys, thank you for jumping on the show, especially you, Aldrin. I don't know why I'm thinking you can. You're always here. 
<laughs> Can't get rid of me. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently not. But, guys, we'll see you next week on 10 Things I Hate About You. And I hope you guys enjoyed the French Dispatch. And we'll see you next time on The Real. <laughs> <laughs>